Attention audience, it's that time of the week again. <sighs> Just want to take a moment to reflect how far we've come to get to this, this lovely point in time. 24 weeks. Which brings us to what, Eric? It's Friday, Friday, Friday films. That's right. It's Friday. Bear with us. Normally we're a lot more excited about this, but Eric and I had a realization when we finished watching the last DVD in our collection. (laughs) It's... We have six six months until we get more Bond, Jordan. I know! (laughs) What are we going to do? I honestly, I, I it brings tears to my eyes. I didn't know what to do with when I put the DVD back. I'm like, um, normally I just leave this here to watch the next one in the the box, but there's no more to watch. <laughs> uh, but push that aside because we are getting into the last of the current Daniel Craig block, and I actually enjoyed this movie a lot better this time around than I did the, the, the previous time, which I know I've mentioned throughout our multiple, multiple weeks that I went and watched Spectre right before we decided to do Bond in Review. <laughs> you, did the, you did the equivalent of reading the last chapter of a book before you, before you read the beginning. <laughs> yes, yes. And the, like, ironically... You basically read the last page of, of, of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows before even starting yeah. Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, and I don't know why, I, but you mentioned that, I did that with all the Harry Potter books. I read yeah, just yeah. the last page. Just the last page. Yeah, even if it was just like a paragraph or a couple sentences, I would just read the last page and then read the whole book. I don't know why. It was just something that stuck, and I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, yes, I went and watched Spectra before. Like, and like I said before, I've seen multiple, multiple movies, but I watched that one and then got into this, and now watching this movie again after the start of Daniel Craig, it makes so much more sense watching them in rows. So for anybody out there listening who's watched the movies or plan on watching the Daniel Craig's, definitely make a, recommend watching them in a row because they make so much more sense. Yeah, they do tie um, together incredibly well, and this is this this movie was a very, very good wrap-up. Um, if Daniel Craig had decided not to come back, and we'll, and we'll get to that once we get near the near the end of the review. Yes. Um, but he did decide to come back, so I'm curious to see where No Time to Die, where No Time to mm-hmm. Die goes following this one up. Yes, um, I agree. But no, it was it was good. Like unlike you, I had th- this is probably the movie I had seen next to well this this is the movie that i have seen uh the least because i only saw this movie when it came out in theaters i hadn't seen it since so it's been five years since i've seen this movie um and i remembered not particularly like like it not being bad but it it was was definitely no skyfall it was definitely no casino royale but it was better than quantum of solace um, and that's pretty much still where my thoughts lie, even though I did enjoy this movie uh, a second time around after having watched all of the previous ones back to back significantly more. So I did enjoy this movie more than I did the first time I saw it. But uh, it, I, I think it still it, I think it still sits in the same place yeah. for my personal rankings that it would have before. Uh, and I can see that. I definitely agree with it. Um, and I'm sure. As we go through our review, we'll uh, hit on the pros and cons of this movie. So, uh, with that, everyone, welcome to 
our currently last episode <laughs> of this season of Friday Films with Bond in Review. Now, yes. we will come back when the, the next movie comes out, but we've got some time. So, with that, Eric, do you want to take over our intro? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, the 24th film in the Bond franchise, the second to last Daniel Craig movie, the last to currently be released, Spectre. Released November 6th, 2015 yet again the november theme with all of the daniel craig movies and many of the pierce brosnan ones as well and now also the new one no time to die is now november as well <laughs> i feel like they're just like man we gotta stick with suit and move back a right? couple months so every daniel craig movie is released in november so far runtime of two hours and 28 minutes it seems every single daniel craig movie has been right at that like just under two and a half mm -hmm. hours with the exception of quantum of solace which was super short like an hour and 45 um which i'm okay like which i'm okay with because i could have taken much another 45 minutes of that movie so <laughs> that's true um but two hours and 28 minutes directed by yet again sam mendez who also directed skyfall as well so we have the exact mm -hmm. same exact same director and it shows yeah explains the tones and the themes and everything fit fit incredibly well uh, starring once again Daniel Craig, introducing Christoph Waltz and Leah Sado into the franchise as well. Budget of two hundred and forty-five million dollars. Mm. Lots of money, lots of money. Uh, you can definitely see where it's spent. But the one thing I will say, because we're going to get into it really, really quickly in this in this moment, and you touched on it in Skyfall, and it's it has completely to do with Sam Mendes. He's got a very distinct style where everything mm -hmm. flows and is is filmed in a very specific way that just works. The fight yeah. scenes in this movie were were some of my favorites um, because of both how they were shot, but also did you notice like there was no music mm -hmm. in the fights? Anytime there was a fight scene, there was zero music. Yeah, and they, they seem to be the music seemed to be put in at the right times, just like in Skyfall, where it was, it was just kind of like, yes, it was yeah. kind of hinted here and there. Like I even put them in my notes as we get into the actual intro, like right before the the. I forget how far into it, but you start hearing the music kind of mixed, mm -hmm. which I I really enjoyed. But I, I agree with you. Now the only thing I will say with his editing this time around is I did notice less visual effects than in Skyfall. Like I remember hitting on that heavily in Skyfall that uh I really like some of the cinematic like straight out of the comic book feels. Mm -hmm. Like when he was going to the Chinese play uh the uh, casino mm -hmm. and he was standing on the boat and you know overlooking London towards the end like those kind of things. I didn't see as much um visual standouts like that but it was very smooth throughout the whole movie yes yes it was well with that good sir you ready to get on into it i uh, yes yes and i i was surprised with how it started it kicks off with a bang for the first time in the daniel craig block the gun barrel intro is back and it in color been, and in color <laughs> it, it has been it has been since um Die another day since we've seen the gun barrel intro at the beginning, not in some other weird place in the movie. So we get the gun barrel intro and then we fade to black. White letters fade in on the screen. The dead are alive. Cut to Mexico City and the Day of the Dead celebration. Dia de los Muertos. 
really cool. And this is what I was talking about in the very beginning. This is my favorite shot. We kick off with my favorite shot of this entire film. Mm -hmm. The one shot follow shot or the, the no cut follow shot. Yes. Where it come, it fades in over the, or it comes in over the top of this crowd. We spot the man in white walking down and then we cut to, then we, then we see another man in a top hat and a, and a, and a, and a, and a mask walking with this beautiful woman and they walked through the crowd and they the transition through yes yeah you, you were following the white man who walks and turns and walks right past them and keeps going in a different direction yes. but the camera keeps going and now oh, we man. have this couple are now following the camera like that was beautiful and i yes. love the outfit love the outfit oh yeah me too me too beautiful and you're wondering who this man is why do we care about this man this is obviously the bad guy he's dressed like a skeleton right but then again everyone on the streets of mexico city is dressed like a skeleton in, on dia de los muertos mm-hmm. so we follow we follow this shot all the way down the street all the way through the crowd all the way into a hotel into into a um an elevator it it goes up there's flirtation going on between the masked man and the woman. The woman whispers something to him, pulls out a key. Pulls out a key. And he kind of starts dancing with her, you know, mm-hmm. like on the yep. elevator. They go into her hotel room where she prepares for sexy time and the camera follows her for a moment. And then you see a shocked look on her face when she lays on the bed. Like, where are you going? And the camera turns and it's Bond completely out of the out, out of the, the, <laughs> the, the, Mex- the, the, the skeleton clothes. In his traditional Bond Bond suit, hopping out the window, going, "I'll be back soon." Yeah, D- don't worry yeah. about it. He no, immediately like... leaves out, out of the balcony window, and we're following. We're 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 in front of him, walking towards cameras where he's walking across the you know, the different balconies to get to the rooftop. Again, another one he's... shot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All while he's putting together his little custom Q Labs gun. Still the same shot, mind you. He comes all the way to the end of the building where he sets up and spies on the men in white having a meeting in the op- opposing building. All of this from the beginning to now is that same, that same shot, man. I, that it was so so well done. I absolutely it really loved it. It was probably yeah one of the best shots of the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but yes, I I loved the um, the play on that, and like I know we hit on this before in other movies, but it also kind of helps with Daniel Craig's Bond how a, a lot can be said with next to no words. You know, the mysterious of him walking, you know, into the hotel, the flirtation in the yeah. elevator and in the room, and then straight back into character, down, you know, all the rooftops, doing the Bond, getting the gun ready, everything perching up to aim through the window, like all of it. It's just so much is said there just based off of music. And I hit on this. I loved how the Bond theme was thrown in with the um, the different you know day of the dead music that was playing in yeah. the background yeah. you just if you listen closely you can just kind of hear the little notes kind of thrown in just blended in with the music and i was like that is awesome subtle subtle notes because you, you you know who this masked man is even though, oh, yeah. even though you don't know who he is yeah know? well even when he gets in the room and he takes the mask off and they kiss before she gets on the yeah. bed and you know, it's like that's where you start hearing the music I'm like ah oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's that's great absolutely um but he's all set up he's all set up and spying on the man in white at his meeting and attempts to assassinate him, but gets spotted at the last second. And instead of just shooting, you know, uh, shooting the man, he shoots every other guard in the building, and then shoots a case that they had, which literally blows up the building instead. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, a lot of lot of exploding bu- buildings in this movie. We'll get to, we'll get to a couple more of them down the road. But the building explodes, starts collapsing in on itself. In on itself. Um, Bond, you know, we have a brief moment where Bond slides down the rubble and escapes, landing on a couch like a badass, hops <laughs> up and just kind of walks out where he sees the man in white had survived as he exits the rubble of the building. And then we immediately give chase into our first on-foot chase scene of the movie. And yet again, all the man in white has to do is hang a left around a corner until a crowd of people and Bond loses him. <laughs> like he has in every <laughs> single movie going uh, for so far. I put a note for that too. Great, Dang. he catches him like right away. Like he's looking around and he's like, oh, there he is. But like he loses him right away. I'm like, ah, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Daniel Craig cannot keep his eyes on the enemy. He just cannot. Uh, he has lost him in every single movie. Um, in the same situations, too. I know. It's always disappearing into a crowd. That's like Bond's <laughs> kryptonite is disappearing into a crowd. Yeah. It's just, just go where people are and Bond can't find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Bond loses him in the crowd for a moment and then catches him really quickly because he's the only man in a big white suit. You know, if you're going to blend yeah. into a crowd, wear all black and skeleton face paint like everyone else is. Um, a helicopter lands in the middle of the town square to pick up the man in white and Bond hitches a ride by just jumping into the helicopter with him. Mm-hmm. They have an epic struggle, struggle fighting back and forth, which is causing the helicopter pilot to lose control and is spinning precariously over the top of this crowd of thousands of people. If this helicopter crashed, it would it would make international news oh, yeah. and take out thousands of people, I'm sure. Um, the helicopter struggling to maintain control. Bond's fighting with the, uh, the man in white in the back seat, removes a ring off of his hand and kicks him out of the helicopter um, as the helicopter's in the middle of doing this awesome, completely like barrel. unnecessary barrel roll, which mm-hmm. was a great stunt. Super cool to see. Entirely unnecessary for the, for the plot of the film. Yeah. Um, and then we go from the, man's, the man in white's kicked out. So awesome. Mission accomplished. We have whatever this ring thing is. We can move on with our lives. But no. Not yet. We have to fight the pilot first. Yeah, he's still going to get the pilot. Why? I don't know. But <laughs> he's continuing. Because he was going like back and forth fighting the pilot and fighting the, uh, I think Sakara was the guy's, uh, the man yeah, in white. Sakara. But he kept like fighting back and forth. Yeah. And then he goes back to fight the pilot and does, does a complete, like, I don't want to say newest dive, but he goes straight up into the air to the point where the helicopter is almost stalling and it does like a backflip. I'm like, that's cool. We got some helicopter, um, little helicopter tricks stunts. here. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, here's straight the into a nosedive. Here's the thing. Like if you're the helicopter pilot, right? You're not going to crash your helicopter. You're not going to sacrifice yeah. your own life to take this guy out in the back seat. Like you just regained control of your helicopter. You did an awesome barrel roll to try, to try and shake him out. Didn't work. You lost your boss. Whatever shit happens, right? <laughs> but but if I was Bond, you you just you just straighten your coat. You sit down in the back seat and you wait for him to land, just casually, because yeah. he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna crash the helicopter for you. Or maybe he will. Bond henchmen or Bond henchmen are not very smart, as we've learned from the, throughout all these movies. That's but anyway. True. They have one final fight, and Bond is able to kick the helicopter pilot out as well and regains control of the helicopter before crashing into the crowd of people below. Mm-hmm. We have a moment of Bond flying over the city, and everything calms down as we take a look at the ring, and it has the Spectre emblem on the ring. And we cut to the intro song. Now, I, I liked how, during all of this, he gets two clues. The ring, 
which I also mentioned looked like an octopus on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. which, um, which is which, what it is. Yeah. Um, but then there was also when he was spying in uh, Sakara in the building, Sakara mentions the the Pale King. After everything was said mm-hmm. and done, he was going to go men- uh, see the, the Pale King. So at That's least right. Bond now has a name <clears throat> to continue on his mission yep. besides this weird random ring. Indeed. Um, but we kick into <clears throat> a interesting opening music video. Yes, um, which is what it was. It felt like a music video. It, it definitely did, and I, I put that in my notes too. The song was good. Uh, it felt like a decent Bond song, but it was like right on the edge. I could have yeah, seen it, it was, gone either way. It was it, too slow for me for a Bond song. Yeah, it could have been was, a little better. It was way too much of a ballad. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a great song. Sam Smith, Writings on the mm-hmm. Wall. Um, phenomenal song. I mean, I, be- I believe it actually won an Academy Award as well um for the song so the the song is great um i probably would have preferred something a little bit differently even though the song does yeah. fit with you know <clears throat> a man who's kind of at the end of the verse, end of his rope and he's looking back on his life on where things went wrong type deal and it makes sense with the theme of the movie yeah i mean but the song was, definitely fit it was a little too much of a ballad for me um the visual effects I thought were good. Uh, shirtless yep. Daniel Craig, uh, unnecessary. We see him shirtless at no other point in the movie. The only reason I think they put this in here is because he's been in shirtless in every single other movie he's had so far. <laughs> so they yeah, needed it, it to put it in there somewhere, and the only place it fit was in the intro. Um, um, a lot of like octopi. The, yep, so yep. many octopi, which fits. It's, it's a Spectre movie. I did like the... Um it's kind of a little bit of a flashback they threw in there with the other yeah to movies. his previous movies. Yep. Um, I yep. I, enjoy, I I did enjoy seeing that, but overall, it, it wasn't bad. It, it's, it it's, was decent. Yeah. It, it it's wasn't the best, cool. but it wasn't. We're not rating them, so it's okay. No, no, no. It's it's not bad, but it's 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 okay. Because yeah. yeah. there there was parts where, I, and I think it had like you said the tempo of the song. There was parts of the song where I'm like, okay, this is a good Bond song. And I'm like, eh, this isn't a good Bond song. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Like I was right on the yeah. fence the whole way. So I think you're right. If the tempo was just a little bit faster yeah. or something, it would have probably been a really good Bond song. I felt I felt like they had to slow down the effects to match to the match song, the which mm-hmm. suffered the story that the effects were telling. Yeah, you know, so <clears throat> it didn't. Just didn't quite sync up, sync up the way I would have would have wanted it to. Yeah, I mean, but overall, still decent. Not bad, not bad. Uh, but from the intro song, we cut to M in jolly old England berating Bond for his events in Mexico City. He wasn't even on assignment. He just decided to go to Dia de los Muertos on vacation and start fucking shit up. He yeah. wasn't even on a mission. Uh, Bond is being grounded. Daddy M is disappointed in his performance and is locking his locking locking him in the room and taking away his radio. Um, Bond is then introduced to C, aka Moriarty from the Sherlock television show, the BBC Sherlock show. Phenomenal actor. Um, He's really good. Now. Not Adam Scott. Uh, I forget his name. I've got it in my notes later. But anyway, phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Does a lot of. Uh, Broadway does a lot of stuff. Great, mm-hmm. great character. Um, but his name is Max Dendy. Yes, who is who who is from henceforth referred to as C is the yes. letter name that they as as they Bond calls him. him. He's like, oh, I get to call you. He's like, I, I'm going to call you C. He's like, you don't have to. He's like, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> um, and and the nice thing that I thought was kind of interesting about the way the story was going is he is the. 
joint security serv or head of the joint security service and currently there's a merger with MI5 and like the double O program and all like everyone's yeah. kind of like merging together and that's where all this yeah he's is he's heading up his his company is a an intelligence yeah. organization that is combining every like multiple government intelligence organizations into into one yeah. so and essentially putting like, all intelligence under the same umbrella and they want to shut down the double o's and bond essentially gave them a reason to exactly <laughs> so exactly. that's kind of where bonds and you know getting grounded because of mm-hmm. so bond is sent away in order to report into to q and as he leaves he's met by money penny um, and they make a date. Money Penny has some things from Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Personal um, effects, yeah. Personal effects from Skyfall. So they make a date. And Money Penny stops by Bond's place later on that evening with his effects from Skyfall, and uh, questions Bond's motives about what happened in in Mexico City. You seem to be losing it. Bond opens up to her and plays a video that good old former M Dame Judi Dench left Bond one last mission before she died to kill. Scaria or Scar Scaria Scaria uh, yeah Scaro yeah whatever his name is Sakara uh, um, sorry Sakara um the man the man in white in Mexico City and to make sure not to miss the funeral which is to, to be in Rome in two days Bond using this video Bond is able to recruit Money Penny as his mole mm-hmm. his inside person to share information and to communicate with them considering he's going off the grid. Which I, I like the the connection between the two of them because like when she shows up to to talk to Bond, she's like, you know, what is going on with you? A lot of people think you're washed up, and he's like, well, what do you think? He, and she's like, I think you're just getting started. I think there's more to this, but you don't trust anybody mm-hmm. to help you with it. And then Bond's like, hmm, and starts playing the video, and it's kind of yeah. like, well, I do trust you because you seem to know what's going on. Yeah. The only person um, he trusted before was dead. Is dead. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. kind of helps that the connection between Money Penny and Bond again in the early stages, which I, mm-hmm. I liked um, how they threw this in there. Yeah, I, I like this iteration of Money Penny too. I like that we see mm-hmm. her for the first time in Skyfall as a field agent, and she just can't quite like she's not bad, but she can't quite handle it. Yeah, so that's it's, it's why a little she too gets, much for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do like that. It adds a neat, neat little backstory for her. Uh, but she leaves, and Bond proceeds to go through the Skyfall stuff, finding pictures of. of yeah him and his youth oh he also tells her to dig up any information she can quietly on the pale king yes indeed indeed uh then we cut to bond being taken by boat to the underground q lab which q labs which q has set up after the their main building exploded in skyfall and our uh he just doesn't like being in the public eye during all of this merger than stuff that's going on with c yeah uh and then we have a much more classic Q time. One thing about this movie is it does classic Bond tropes in a modern way. Kind of like Skyfall yeah. did. Skyfall started this, and this is Sam Mendes. You can definitely tell he's a Bond fan because he throws in these classic themes and, and motives um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a very modernized way that don't make them feel campy, make them feel like an homage to, to what came before. Um, so we have a classic Q time where Q injects Bond with a bloodstream tracker, which isn't just a straight old tracker. It's Smart nano. Smart blood, I think it calls them. Yeah, 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 nano things that goes throughout his whole body, track his 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 vitals, his location, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then Q proceeds to show off the new Aston Martin. But is it for Bond? No, because no. Bond's I been grounded it. by Daddy. 
Yeah. It's well, it was supposed to be for you, but it got yeah. you know reassigned to 009. Yes. <laughs> the, I, I do, and the look on his face when it was just kind of like, wow, I I came here like looking for all my new toys, and I'm just getting one hit after another. Mm-hmm. And then Q um, proceeds to hand him a watch, and Bond goes, "What does this do?" He goes, "Tells the time." I know, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> or is it just a watch? Because Q does make mention that it does have a pretty explosive alarm. Or uh, yeah, he's like, "The alarm is rather loud." If you catch my drift, yes, he's like, "I, I think I do." <laughs> uh, but then Bond sees something out of the corner of his eye that catches his attention. Yes, his uh, his old DB five from Skyfall currently being reconstructed in Q labs mm-hmm. um, before he leaves. However, Bond does sit down and ask his old friend Q, which he just met seems to be timeline for this movie three months ago yeah. in Skyfall, <laughs> but he trusts him enough to ask him to, Hey, listen, you know, those trackers you just implanted me with uh, make me disappear. Like pretend you never did that. And yeah. I don't show up on radar, you know? And Q's like, yo, listen, man, I got a mortgage and M's kind of my boss. And so maybe it'll be a little spotty for for 24, 48 hours. (laughs) The look he gives him. Sure. I I was going to say, though, did you you catch the the crack that uh, Q made on Bond when Bond was looking at his car? probably what was it so when bond's looking at the the db5 and and, he's kind of having that sentimental like ah this was my baby before it got blown up q goes um you know i i told you to or i said to bring it back in one piece not bring one piece of it back Back. because all it was left was the steering wheel and bond shoots him the dirtiest look before q's like my bad (laughs) (laughs) um but from here bond bond leaves and uh we cut to a brief moment where Bond sent Money Penny a phone to communicate with him, uh, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then we cut back momentarily where M- where 009 shows up to pick up his beautiful new DB10, and Q discovers that it is missing. Bond <laughs> took 009's <laughs> DB10. Cut to Rome, where we see Bond driving around in the DB10, looking at the little gadget switches, trying to figure out what they do. Um, with just a smile on his face, just smirking. Smirking, he knows he got yeah. away with it. I uh, <laughs> I have mentions of the gadgets later, which are hysterical. Exactly. Um, then we the Bond shows up to the funeral procession of Sicario, Sicar, not Sicar, it's not Sicario, Scar, Scar, Scario. Anyway, Sicara. The Sicara. That's right. Yeah. Bond watches the funeral procession from a distance, <clears throat> and as Bond's walking up behind, he sees a man and his posse. The man kind of looks you never see his face but he seems to spot bond and him and his posse just casually leave mm-hmm. bond approaches the widow and they nice have a nice little chat back and forth she leaves and bond casually waves it waves at a henchman that lingered on for a little too long <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't know all the movies he just Indeed. waves at the enemies <laughs> the widow the widow arrives home and starts some super sad music grabs herself a drink and walks to the pool fully clothed while henchmen behind her disappear out of nowhere follow follow her to this pool area pull out guns preparing to kill her so she knows she's about to die yeah. and then we hear pew pew two silent shots two, two silent bits and the henchmen drop to the ground 
The camera pans just enough that we see Bond in the background as he walks yet again up towards the camera and talks to the woman again. Um, they didn't. They didn't go go inside. Bond pours her a drink. They have the most incredibly inappropriate for a funeral sexy interrogation. <laughs> yeah. Where they're well, I mean, questioning you... each other while undressing each other. It's it's pretty intense. It's an aggressive interrogation. Yes. It's it's well, an aggressive uh, interrogation. Yes. And it's funny because you can see Bond's tactics change. Like he goes in, starts pouring her a drink, and he's he's making comments about how. Um, you know, obviously he was the one that killed her husband and how he was the one that signed her death warrant and, uh, and so on. And like, he's trying to be like flirty about it, but she just straight up slaps him. So he just throws the drinks on the floor and starts taking it up a notch. He's like, all right, mm-hmm. move Here it on. Go. After sexy time, Bond's getting ready to leave with the information that he gathered from her and tells her to contact his old boy, agent girly glasses himself, Felix lighter of the CIA Which- to get her out of the country. I forgot that he was mentioned in this movie, but I, I also remembered that I didn't see him anywhere in the movie, so I was disappointed I didn't see him. Yeah, no Felix in the movie, but... He's mentioned. <clears throat> he is mentioned. Uh, Bond then arrives. What the information he got out of her was there's a super secret Spectre spy meeting because her uh, former husband, deceased husband, was a Spectre agent. And they have Rome. to find a replacement now. Indeed. So Bond arrives to the super super secret Spectre spy meeting. Try saying that five times fast. Where yeah, no. everyone drives the nicest cars in the world. Did you see the parking lot he pulled up? Oh in? yeah, yeah. It's I was like paying attention. I, I couldn't Aston, name all the Bugatti, cars. Aston, Bugatti, Ferrari. But... <laughs> I mean, it's it's just so many cars. Uh, Bond uses the ring to get into the facility. And his code name, Mickey Mouse. Yes, I love that. It's like, where do you think you're going? And he's like, or no, who do you think you are? He's like, I'm Mickey Mouse. Let me in. <laughs> and shows him the ring. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I bet. But, the, but the doorman's not fooled. He immediately hops on the radio and reports this very suspicious behavior of this gentleman he's never seen before in his life. Bond then hops in, works his way through the crowd, and observes the meeting at a very, very long table where the head of this organization finally shows up but is obscured in shadow. It seems they are finding a replacement for the man in white. And the man at the opposite end of the table of the, of, of the head of the organization offers to take his role, stands up, give this, gives this glorious speech. And then they ask if there's anybody else who challenges so-and-so taking I didn't the get place. his name, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get his name. He's only no, here for the next no. two seconds. And then none other than Dave Batista himself. Walks into frame next to this man, man and uh, obviously challenges it because he just straight up grabs him, kills him by shoving his thumbs into his eye sockets. Yep. And then just takes his seat. <laughs> and just, yeah, wipes off his thumbs. Like, yeah. like listen, obviously, um, I'm the man now, for the job. The more I think about this scene, this would probably be one of the few scenes where going back on, what you say, is Mendez, uh, the director of the movie in his special scenes he did in skyfall the way they did um the main enemy that's in the shadows like the way they did the lighting in this room would probably be the closest thing to a like really good visual effect that stood out to me in this movie like in skyfall because yeah. uh, it was really neat like the whole room was kind of low lit and then you could see shadows and stuff like that but the, the main shadow was right on the end of the table where the head of this organization was sitting yeah and it was just like perfectly well done um 
as far as lighting goes. So I, I will give it some credit there as far as visual effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so Batista takes the place, takes the seat, and then the leader goes into a nice little momentary speech where he reveals that he knows Bond's here and mm-hmm. IDs Bond and looks straight at him. His face comes out of the shadow and we see his face for the first time. And this shows that this guy is not afraid for Bond to know who he is. Yeah. You know, he's been waiting for this moment. He's surprised it took Bond this long. A fight immediately breaks out and Bond escapes to his Aston Martin, drives away <laughs> with Batista, <laughs> Batista following suit super super fast gets in his own beefed yeah, up mickey mouse guys back. ferrari or whatever um, i didn't i tried to figure out what his car was and i, I honestly didn't look closely at it I, it was probably some type of like mclaren or something like i, I think know it was an italian exotic. i think it was a ferrari ferrari some sort of ferrari was it okay yeah because they were in exotic, Italy. They, but... were, they were in rome and it wasn't an aston martin it was not a mclaren i think it was a ferrari no. right, it could have been um, i didn't anyway. look closely at it but it was obviously an exotic and yeah. very nice car uh, but now it is car chase time, um, and this is where you were mentioning earlier where Bond tries various gadgets to get away. <laughs> yes, and I, I love I love it because I literally just, in my notes, put gadget one, backfire. And like I was reading the switch, dot, 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 no ammunition loaded. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. So gadget yep. one doesn't work. Yep. Uh, gadget two, atmosphere. Radio comes on, music for 009. It's playing like classical music, and Bond's just getting so annoyed with this. He's like, yep. Really? <laughs> um, uh, and then, like, I think he uses other gadgets a little later in the car chase because I know the chase kind of goes on and they're going throughout town. I think at some point, Bond tries to get a hold of Money Penny, is on yep. the phone with her. On the phone um, with her, sharing information he, and getting information he, from her. And, yeah, and, and this is all during gets, the chase. Yeah, and he, he actually gets stuck in the one alley. Uh, which I thought was pretty funny too. Mm-hmm. Yep, gets stuck in the gets stuck in the alley behind a poor little Italian man who's driving a Fiat and is just trying to get home from work, and uh, just wrong place, wrong time. And Bond's Bond Bond got no time for this. Listen, I'm being chased by some big dude that pokes people's eyes out with his thumbs. I gotta go, homie. So Bond bumps into the back of this tiny little Fiat, Fiat and accelerates it, accelerates it up to 88 miles per hour to the point that that Fiat goes back in time like freaking the DeLorean and Back to the Future. <laughs> it is hauling ass down this little alleyway. Um, and you think, oh, this poor man's going to die so hard. There's no way he can stop in time. But Bond turns off at the last minute and the little Fiat is able to break just ever so slowly into the parking spot. <laughs> And then if I was that Italian man, he handled it much better than I do because I would have screamed at my steering wheel and then needed a new clean pair of shorts. And then the airbag goes off. And then the airbag goes (laughs) off. Just to add insult to injury. Indeed. Uh. Indeed. Uh, Finally, as the chase near comes to an end, one of the gadgets actually works. And yeah, it is the flamethrower. The, the rear-mounted flamethrower. Which is exhaust. Um, mm-hmm. Also, when uh, during all this money, just to throw in there real quick, money does find out who the Pale King is and tells him it's Mr. White. Yep, your old um, friend Mr. White. Mm-hmm. Which I completely forgot about when I was watching this movie. I'm like, oh, now it all makes sense. <laughs> that man, that's right. <laughs> um, but Bond uses the flamethrower to engulf... Uh, Batista's car in flames, obscuring his vision, and at the last second uses the the light speed ejector seat. Yes, because he shot out of the roof of that car like a bullet. Like he yeah. was in frame for half a second. <laughs> um, I like the fact that they finally put the ejector seat in the car after yeah. all the talks about it from the you know the older movies. 
and I loved how they were named. Like, if you looked at the switchboard, you know, Gadget 1 was Backfire, which would have been the rear machine guns. 2 was Atmosphere, which was just music atmosphere. Uh, 3 was the exhaust, which was the rear flamethrowers. Mm-hmm. And then 4 was Air, which was the ejector seat. Like, yeah. they didn't really go into detail because it wasn't meant for, I mean, well, originally it was meant for Bond, but then was given a 009 and redone. Yeah. But, like, Bond wasn't filled in on everything that was in there. He was just flipping switches until he figured it out. <laughs> Figuring out what happens. Um, but um, Bond, Bond's ejected, flies into the air, and the car crashes into the, uh, into the river. Batista stops to investigate as Bond's car sinks underwater, and Bond lands in the middle the of some street, yeah, street nearby, and it just takes off his parachute, straightens his jacket, nods at a passerby, and just walks off like a yeah. boss. <laughs> yep. Good evening. <laughs> yep. Uh, we then cut to Money Penny as she finds an article about a Franz Oberhauser, whose body was never recovered when he was hiking in the mountains in the Austrian mountains with his with his dad. And we see that this is a young version of the man who is at the head of the Spectre table. Mm-hmm. And Bond even t- or tells Money Penny, you know, do research on him before and after his Both death. Before and, she's and like, after his death. He's like, just yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, listen, I know this man's alive. Uh, cut to Tokyo, where good old C, yet again, the 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 bad guy, the bad businessman of the CIA, not CIA, MI6, whatever. The man Bye. trying to take over intelligence organizations is yeah. trying to recruit, yet again, every intelligence orga- organization in Japan. Yep, trying to... Well, I think this is where the meeting was being held for all the different organizations to vote yes. on if he actually gets control or not. And I don't... Uh, I can't remember who it was, but one of them says no while the others say yes. So It's it, an it overwhelming fails. majority. It's 8 out of 10. Um, but it has to be a okay. unanimous vote, so it does it does fail. Um <clears throat> M during this time we M is, Tanner shows M an article about Bond's little chase in Rome, and is like, "Are we sure Bond's still in London? Like, are we yeah. sure he's here? Because this says his name written all over it." M calls Q for Bond's location, and Q lies, telling him, "Yeah, he's in Manchester or, or Chelsea." Chelsea, yeah. Um, when Bond is actually in the middle of the tundra in Austri- Austria. Mm-hmm. Cut to Bond arriving to a cabin in the snow where he investigates walking around this tiny little shack and finds high-tech security cameras and a top-secret hidden door. And all of this scene makes so much more sense after watching the other movies now. (laughs) Exactly. He opens the secret door and sees a room full of monitors where Mr. White is sitting there. Mr. White is super, super sick. Mr. White is dying. Mm-hmm. Bond, he and Bond go upstairs, sit down at, at the kitchen table, and Bond proceeds to question Mr. White about Spectre and Oberhauser in particular. Mr. White agrees to give him information under the condition that he protect his daughter. That was the only reason he's been doing this as long as we, as he has was to protect mm-hmm. his daughter, um, and that there's you know there that Spectre's everywhere, you know Oberhauser's everywhere. You can't. Anything you know, he's already known for months. Yeah, I like um, the reference White um, says. He says, Bond, you're like a, a kite dancing in a hurricane. Yeah. Get yep. yourself involved with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a really neat scene. Um, and like I said, now knowing you know, White and the history of the other movies, it made so much more sense with all of this. Um, 
but I, I guess they're they're into some type of agreements about halfway through, and Bond's like, "Look, here's my word." puts his gun on the table. Yep. He's like, "You tell me what I need to know, and I will do my best to help you out." Mister White is hesitant to trust Bond during this because, much like you, you know, it's like looking in a mirror. You know who you. you it takes one to know one type situation, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Mr. White's like, why am I to trust the word of an assassin? You know? Yeah, especially and since they've been after each other in other so movies long. too. Yeah. And Bond puts his gun down on the table and pushes it towards Mr. White. Mr. White sickly hand picks it up as it's shaking as he's holding it to give a, give a level of trust going, listen, you can kill me right now, but this is, I'm telling you, like, I'll I'll protect your daughter. I'm after this man. I no longer care about you. You're a dead man walking. So yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember. I think he was poisoned with thallum, thallium or something. Something yeah. was he found in him, or he, somehow he got poisoned and he was slowly dying. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> but Mister White agrees, and instead of shooting Bond, shoots himself, mm-hmm. taking him out of the equation entirely. Cut to C and M as they are touring the new headquarters of the intelligence organization that's brokering this merger. Which, by the way, I had it in my notes earlier, uh, is directly across the water from the old MI6 building. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, directly across. Yeah. Um, The the, the river, river, River Thames, I believe, is is the river. I I can't remember. I just remember when Bond was uh, and Tanner were heading to Q Labs, it was like. They looked up at the the new building. It's like, hey, he's like, oh yeah, that's scheduled. The old building's scheduled to be torn down. And then they look to the left, and it's like, <laughs> and here it makes way for the new building, it's which like they a, like, like go tour underneath. Guide. Tour guide. <laughs> and if you'll look immediately to your left, yeah. um, on the on the port side of the boat, you will see the old MI6 headquarters. For those of you that were in London last year, you may remember the terrorist attack that took place here. <laughs> yeah. This is the current rubble. It is scheduled to be, it's about, I know it's a bit of an eyesore. It's scheduled to be taken down um, within the next couple of days. The time frame of this movie is a little fuzzy for me. And if you look immediately <laughs> to your right, that is what we have deemed new hotness. Um, yeah, new hotness will be here for a little while. New hotness has moved in. It's kicking out old, old, old and busted. And uh, they're just here to take over the world and make sure we're all nice and safe, right? Right? Everyone uh, likes new hotness. Anyway, after the uh, tour of the headquarters and the intelligence mer- merger, C reveals that he knows he's been tracking the double mm-hmm. O people for forever and plays a recording between Money Penny and Bond in their little chat of what they've been doing behind the scenes. M seems. Both upset at this information and even more upset at C for spying on his own people. Mm-hmm. And and I love during this um, when they're getting in the conversation about like the pros and cons of the new security that C's trying to set up, and how C's telling M that the Double O programs you know like outdated and all. M kind of defends the program. He's like, look, you know, having a license to kill is also a license not to kill. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I like M's like. You could tell M has like backed up his group from the very beginning. Even when we were questioning that M in the last movie, you know, it just goes to further prove that he's just not out for himself. He's out for his people. It's he's a, he's a like, man who's been through it. He knows yeah. he knows how this operates. Um, after that conversation, which I think was a very good conversation, and mm-hmm. it, it definitely solidified M's character even more, even more for when we get to the for the events that happen when we get towards the end of the movie. Yes. Um, yeah. 
But then we cut to Batista showing up at Mr. White's house. Man, he is hot on the tail yeah. of, of Bond because Mr. White's being picked over by crows and ravens and whatever there may be. Uh, but he ain't been dead for long. Batista does his character have a name? Because I never called it throughout the movie. Mr. Hinks is his name. It's never said in the movie, but his character name is Mr. Hinks. H-I-N-X. I I was like, because I never heard it. He doesn't really say anything up up until the very end. I think he says one line. And we'll get to him because I really like him as a henchman. And actually, when we get to the villain ranking, we got to throw him in there with with Blofeld because he is... He yeah. is he is spoilers. the odd job slash Jaws of this movie. Um, yeah, spoilers, Blowfield's in this movie. Yeah, woo! If you haven't figured it out, the head of Spectre <laughs> from all of these Bond movies. Who who uh, might who might Oberhauser really be? <laughs> we'll get to that shortly. Um, but anyway, Batista shows up, Mister White's, and sees the body and spots the camera immediately. We cut away from that very very quickly. Basically, just showing that uh, Batista's hot on his tail mm-hmm. and and knows what's going on. Bond, we cut to Bond arriving by plane at a very, very snowy mountaintop facility, very reminiscent of the facility in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yep, I, I thought about that. Very reminiscent. I was damn sure we were gonna get a ski chase, which we didn't. <laughs> I was certain there was gonna be a ski chase involved in this. Uh, but Bond meets up with Doctor Madeline Swan, aka Mister White's daughter mm-hmm. they go through this little psychological eval back and forth for a moment where bond left information blank and bonds being very coy and and smart assy get to the last question where where it's occupation and bond's like well that doesn't really look very good on paper <laughs> yeah uh, well what is it you do I, I kill people um this is where it's revealed he reveals his his intentions and the fact that he's here on behalf of her father, and that he needs her help in exchange for protecting her. Mm-hmm. Um, she is very, very upset about this and asks, asks him to leave before he call, before she calls security. He obliges, heads downstairs, waits at the bar, orders a drink, can't get the drink because it's a drive. They don't serve alcohol. It, they don't serve alcohol it. in a rehab he, facility. He straight up orders a martini. He doesn't do the whole this, 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 and this. It's just like, just give me a martini. And like, oh, we don't serve alcohol here. He's like, oh, I'm loving this place already. <laughs> but as he's waiting at the bar, who arrives? Q arrives. That's Q. right. Q arrives and asks Bond to come back. He goes, listen, man, shit's going down. C's trying to take over. There's there's all this stuff happening. We just we just need you to come back. Yeah, M wants our heads for trying to help you. Mm-hmm. So like, you need to come back before we're all in trouble. That's right. Bond's like, listen, not yet. I'm onto something. Gives Q the uh, the Spectre ring and, and 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 like, listen, I need you to analyze this. I need this information. You'll see yeah, what I'm talking favor. about. Yeah, you'll see what I'm talking about. So Bond gives Q the ring. Q goes to leave. Bond gets where he's staying at so they can meet up later, and then spots immediately spots Batista taking Doctor Swan into into his car yeah, as he's being escorted out. Yeah. So we got a chase scene instantly occurs yeah. which i was gonna say real quick i love when bond's being escorted out by the guards and he sees batista and he decides to run after him he hits the one guard and pushes the other one out and the first guard gets back up he's like no stay yeah, stay no, no. <laughs> it's just like stay <laughs> like he goes off and i'm like 
Wow, that guard must have uh, really gotten hit hard in the stomach because yeah. he did not mess with Bond after that. <laughs> Talk about being emasculated where you you get punched for doing your job and then the person that hits you as they're running away goes, no, stay. Don't chase me. Bad guard. No. You know, Bond might as well have broken out a newspaper and smacked him on the nose with it. You know, no. That's, that's exactly what I thought. When I was like, well, wait, what just happened there? Bad guard. Um, but then, yeah, um, you're right. It kicks off into a, another chase, but not another chasing. Uh, even even Q gets involved in this one because Q's going off to do his own thing at this point. But but Batista's men are following him and hop in the uh, the lift with him as he's riding up the mountain towards his hotel. Mm-hmm. Q's not picking up on this at first. He's heads heads into the computer, analyzing the ring, doing this, that, and the other thing. And then as they go higher and higher up the mo- the mountain, Q finally realizes, all right. This, these people as he tries to get off he's like uh yep these are these are bad guys Mm -hmm. um i need to try and find a way out of this i I need to figure this out uh meanwhile bond manages to catch up to batista's car car convoy not in a car of his own no in a plane (laughs) i i love the intro too when he's just kind of like flying next to the um the group of cars as they're going along the road, he's just kind of flying next to him. He just kind of opens the window and just kind of smiles at Batista. <laughs> like, I love the dynamic duo between the two of them. Like the looks they give each other. They're like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Without so, saying anything to so, each other. Um, but yeah, this plane car chase goes on for, for quite a while. A lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stunts <clears throat> built into it really that, that have done it really, really well. I love the cut back and forth between uh, Q's events. And Q apparently was at some point a Spectre agent and trained all of the previous Bond villains <laughs> how to lose somebody <laughs> in a crowd. Because Q steps one foot into a crowd and vanishes like a ghost. Uh. And these henchmen are none the wiser. Now, I, I will say this. I think Q just knows how to do it better than Spectre agents <laughs> because he ran through the crowd. And granted, there was a lot of people coming in the tram. And I don't think the, the, the bad agents called him at first. And when they realized, they went running after. But Q got through the crowd into a door that was like a stairwell. It closed the door real quick so the, the guys couldn't even see the door open. And so when the guys got out, they're like, where'd he go? So it wasn't like he just walked into a crowd and just disappeared like, where's Waldo? I mean, he like Dude, hid in some other from room. From their perspective, he did. Well, yeah, <laughs> true. But I, I don't think he ghost. trained the other agents. Because the other agents just walk into a crowd like, hey, I'm in the middle of a crowd. You can't see me. <laughs> and Bond's like, where'd they go? That's all but, I could think about, though, man. It's like yeah. Q losing them through a crowd. I was like, man, people in crowds in this movie, they just cannot keep a track uh, of people. I, I do just, like that back and forth, just, like you said. It's not a thing that um, happens. But I anyway. also like in, in the car with Batista and Swan and all, I do kind of like the little back and forth there where the, like, the guy was trying to stab her with the needle. And she's trying like, to what sedate are you doing? her, like, yeah. Yeah, and he en- she ends up stabbing the other guy, and Batista just looks at her and like picks up his gun. He's like, don't do that. Just no. Just, just, just no. Stop. Stop. Again, says Stop. everything he needs to say <laughs> without saying a single word. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of like looks at her and just puts the gun back down. Like, all right, <laughs> miss, miss, are we going to have a problem here? Yeah. Just, are we going to have no. a problem here? Just, just no, just stop. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Bond's chasing them down with a plane in one final epic swoop to, to 
capture or chicken with destroy them. them or whatever. He plays chicken with them. Manages to take out one car during this, but not Batista's car. A little bit more flying around. At some point, oh, yeah, Bond's that's... plane loses his wings, and he's sliding down mountain. He's sliding down the mountain, regaining, mm-hmm. somehow controlling the plane. It crashes through the middle of a barn at the last second and intercepts uh, Batista's convoy after going through the barn, causing every vehicle to crash. Batista gets knocked at, you know, gets thrown from the vehicle and knocked unconscious. And he rescues Dr. Swan. I forgot when the, the first car blew up is what helped Q because that's what distracted the... Uh... Caused him to look away. Yeah, right. I forgot. About, I put that in my notes and I skimmed sprinted. right over it. Yep. Yeah, so did I. Um, so as they get away, we cut to Batista hunched over the car unconscious and we just see his hands start to move. Mm-hmm. And we're like, damn, this dude is a beast. Yeah. <laughs> and I know um, Swan and Bond have some back and forth before Bond's like, look, I'm the only one that can help you. So yeah, come with listen, me. So I don't I, have to keep chasing Obviously, you. you don't like assassins. I get it. We kill people. Shit happens. But yeah. I need you. You need me whether you realize you do or not. Yeah. So let's just get over this. So Bond and Dr. Swan go back to Q's hotel and catch up with him. Where they talk about what they've discovered about Spectre. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of stuff that the ring has the DNA of every previous Bond villain on it, along with the DNA of Hans Oberhauser. And Q's like, you know, I owe you an apology Franz for all this. Yeah, Q's like, listen, I'm sorry. You were you were on to something deep, and yeah. I, I just didn't even know. Uh, new story comes on, the, comes on the television, and Bond's like, Q, you need to get back to London. You, you got to go. M's going to need you. Yeah. M's, M's going to need you. I like how when Q's filling in Bond, you know, like, look, we don't know who these guys are called, but it's it's like they're ahead of this crazy organization. And Swan's like, it's Spectre. Yeah. The, the, the group's called Spectre. My yeah, father I, worked for them. I, I know who they are. <laughs> <clears throat> and then Q's like, well, you got to find this, uh, the, the American. She's like, it's not a person. It's a place. Yep. Yeah, she's just yeah. so calm. About it. She's like, I, I know what you're looking for. I, I can help, I guess. There's a reason <laughs> Mr. White sent them to, to Dr. Swan. Yeah. Uh, but then we cut to Bond and Dr. Swan. They head to head to Tangier. Um, she immediately knows where to go to find out more about Oberhauser and Spectre. In Tangier, Bond and Madeline is how I refer to her henceforth because we're past the point of being doctor now. We're on the same team. Yeah. You go I, on a first I missed name her first name, so I just kept calling her Swan. I'm like, why do I feel like uh-huh. I'm watching Pirates of the Caribbean or something? Yeah. <laughs> Miss Swan. Uh, Bond and Madeline check into Le Medicon. A hotel where Mr. White and his ex-wife used to bring their daughter Madeline on vacation every mm-hmm. single year. And even after mom died and, and, and daughter stopped talking to him, Mr. White kept coming back year after year. Bond proceeds to tear up the room looking for clues and finds a very old bottle of booze in, in the wall and just starts hammering the shit down. Mm-hmm. Dr. Swan is also also drinking, but drinking her own bit of wine and proceeds to talk about her her crappy childhood with Mr. White and and growing up with an assassin and this, that and the other thing where she finally drunkenly drunkenly goes to sleep as Bond keeps an eye out. And she's saying something as she's falling asleep like I didn't write it down. It was um. It's like she just like it was liar, a reference to like Bond and her killer. father, liar yeah. killers, and so, like why like am I here? Both liars, both killers, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but love anyway, the Bond wakes up in the middle of the night to it, an intruder. 
Bond wakes up in the middle of the night ready to fuck up this intruder. Um, and he just pulls his gun out immediately and just harshly interrogates a mouse that's on the floor. <laughs> just harshly interrogates. I, where, I like, was like, laughing so The hard. kind of stuff where you, you, you see in like cop movies where they tilt the light on him and like, where were yeah. you in the night of June 15th? <laughs> you know? I love it because Bond's like, like drunk and he's just like, who sent you? Yeah. who do you work for and this mouse is like what what's going on and then like runs <laughs> to the wall mouse runs away and goes goes through its little hole in the wall which gives bond an idea wait a minute if the mouse can go through the wall i can go through the wall but i already knew that because i break through every wall in every movie i've ever been in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I like how he just like pours the beer on the ground. He's like he's drinking a beer in the middle of the night, and yeah. I mean, after the the bottle of liquor, and he's like, "Where'd you go?" And he like pours it in the ground, and it goes through the wall. Where there was a hole in the wall, where else would it go? <laughs> I think that was used to show like if if there was no space behind the wall, like if it was just a regular wall, it just would have pulled up there. Instead, it was like going under a door frame. Basically. Uh, well, okay, yeah, I guess that makes more sense. That's what it was showing. Um, Bond's like, oh shit, this is, there's stuff behind this. So Bond proceeds to break through the wall above the mouse hole and finds Mr. White's super secret Spectre spy room. In the process of waking up Swan. In the process of waking up Swan. They both go in there to investigate and we see that this whole time Madeline thought her father, you know, abandoned her and was a bad person and this, that and the other thing. All this time, he had pictures of his daughter with him for every mission that he had. You know, he, he thought about her constantly. And then we, you know, while, during their investigation, we see a nice little shout out where we don't linger on it for long. And I'm glad we didn't. Where Bond finds a tape of Vesper Lynn's interrogation. Yeah, from I, I like Royale. that throwback in there. I thought that was done very well, especially since White's first introduction was in Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. And I love how they didn't show it because the only t the Vesper Lynn interrogation was when he Bond was hearing her being interrogated in the other room. Yeah. So we never see Vesper Lynn being interrogated, but it's referenced twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely liked all um, that throwing and it was done just, just right. Like you said, it was hit on just enough yeah to make a throwback for anybody who's watched mm -hmm. all the movies to, in the succession to catch it. Yep. But they move on very quickly. Yep. Just enough to the point where Madeline goes, what's that? And Bond goes, it's nothing. And just tosses it away. Mm -hmm. um, Bond and Madeline then proceed to lose clues left behind by her father to track down Oberhauser using radio signals and coordinates and all sorts of this, that, and the other thing. Meanwhile, in London, Good old C is Moriarty himself is moving forward with his global intelligence sharing initiative, and they are officially shutting down the double O program. Mm -hmm. M is pissed. Yep. They moved everything ahead. He had no clue. He wasn't informed and he's getting kicked to the side. He's very upset about this. We cut back to Bond and Madeline taking a nice little train ride through North Africa. Meanwhile, M, Q and Moneypenny meet up. And talk about Bond and how they can help. And M's like, listen, we can't talk about this. There's, they're, they're nothing listening. There's nothing we can do. Bond's Program on his shut own. Down. Sorry. Yep. Erase the smart blood tracking data. If we can yep. track them, so can they. So just get rid of it. Um, <clears throat> and I also, quick reference, before the scene, when they, we first see them on the train, Bond goes to sit down with uh, 
swan and kind of like, hey, look, I need to teach you, you know, in order for me to protect you, I have to make sure you know how to protect yourself. So mm-hmm. this is a gun. This is the safety. These are the sights. And she's like, I don't like guns. I don't want anything to do with it. He's like, look, I need to teach you. And she just grabs a gun, empties the magazine, takes the bullet out, puts it. He's like, I don't have to teach you anything, do I? <laughs> she's like, listen, dude, my dad was an assassin. Like, yeah. she, and then she even tells tells that brief little story about about uh, if I if I interpreted correctly, it was her as a kid who killed, yeah, somebody yeah. that came to kill her father. Yeah, someone came to kill her father, and I forget what how, but she was in an area where there was a gun underneath a sink next to some bleach or something. And Mm -hmm. she didn't specifically go into details, but she's like, and the guy didn't know I was there. And this is why I don't like guns. And ever since then, she implies it very well. Yeah. And ever since then, I've never, I haven't touched one or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, after, you know, they have that conversation and then we cut to the MQ and money pitting meeting. And then we cut back to the train where a Bond in a white white tux jacket for the first time we've ever seen Daniel Craig in the in the Bond white tux jacket. Mm-hmm. Him and Madeline sit down and have a nice, delightful dinner, where they're friendly and they're kind of flirty and they're and they're chatting and, and whatnot, which is very very promptly interrupted by Batista, who again just comes out of nowhere. Interrupts yeah. their glorious dinner and decides he's fight time and just starts throwing Bond around this train car like a rag doll. Yeah, they like destroy everything in like each train car as they go back. He is just throwing Bond around. And this is yet again another one of those scenes where there's no music. All you're doing is hearing the fight happen. Mm-hmm. There's no music. It's so well done. Um, Madeline is, is, is knocked you know, knocked out of the way by Batista and they continue to fight their way through. Batista has the advantage as he's about to throw Bond outside of one of the open doors of the train car and Madeline, we see her come into frame and she shoots Batista in the shoulder right as he's about to throw Bond off, giving Bond just the time he needs to grab a rope and wrap the rope around Batista's neck, trying to choke him out. During the struggle, he can't, you know, get a good grip because Batista's fucking massive compared to Daniel Craig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he's there. Batista's shaking him around all over the place, and they knock some kegs off. And at the that last, are chained second, together. That are chained together. And at the last second, Batista gets back, gets the advantage of Bond, but Bond is able to clip the rope around Batista's neck to one of the kegs. And Batista is pulled out of the train by his neck, by the weight of those kegs, at the last second, and utters the phrase, shit. <laughs> the only words you hear from him the, <laughs> the whole movie. Are, shit. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to a, a shaken and out of breath Bond and Madeline, where Madeline turns and looks at Bond and goes, what do we do now? Madeline asks. <laughs> And the answer, there is only one answer to the question, what do we do now in a Bond movie? And it is sexy time. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's the only answer to that question in a Bond film is sexy time. So we cut to a nice moment where they they break break through the barrier and embrace each other's bodies and make the the beast with two backs. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jordan, for those listening, Jordan just just did the like a dog where he just tilted his head to one side like he. Wait, you just called me off guard with that one. You, he heard what he actually heard. <laughs> Usually, you you make the same references every time. You make the whoopee and then go on, and you you caught me off guard with that one. I was like, wait, what did you say? It's the final bond. I got to throw in something new. It's not for now. It's not the final final. It's the final for now. <laughs> But after post post coitus, Bond and Madeline are dropped off in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a desert, at this beautiful, cute little oasis train station in the middle of these sand dunes. And they just kind of, I don't know what they thought was going to happen. Like, there was no plan. They were just like, hey, we need to go here. And then they show yep. up there and they're like, well, there's nothing for, for miles. <laughs> So I guess we just sit at this train station and just see what happens. Just Yeah, we just wait. And just see what happens. And they spot a car coming across the desert, which Bond Rolls identifies Rolls. as a 1940-something Rolls-Royce. Yeah, it's a whatever. 48 Rolls-Royce Wraith or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like it. She's like, what's that? And he's just like, oh, yeah, that's it's a, a, it's a Rolls. Rolls. <laughs> Uh, but the car pulls up, and a man hops out and chauffeurs them through the desert to an oasis facility built into the crater, built into a crater in the middle of the desert, which looks looks oddly reminiscent of Bluefield's secret volcano lair from... Mm, I didn't even think about that. It does. <laughs> from You Only Live Twice. <laughs> uh, they right. are kindly greeted... By just just a dude who we never get his name. He's just the assistant, and told yeah. that their host would meet them for dinner, and drinks later on. Again, very very similar to how Doctor No yes was introduced in the beginning. I did catch that one. Yes, <laughs> I, I was thinking I was having flashbacks to Doctor No in the beginning. Yeah, so they they go to their separate rooms where their separate rooms are decorated with photos from each of their individual childhoods. Just to kind of show that whoever their host is knows knows who these people are and have known which, who they are and knows their history forever. Which I like because if you're paying attention, um, in her room, you know, she had the dress, but she had the picture of her and her father when she was a little girl, mm-hmm. which we saw when they were in that secret room at the the American in Tangier up on the wall. And it's like the exact same picture. It's like somehow yep. he got a copy of that picture. In Bond's room, <clears throat> you see a picture of a man and two kids, one slightly older than the other, and like a fishing lake or something like that, which is the same picture that Bond was looking at at the uh, effects from Skyfall yep. with when he had a paper of guardianship. You know, it pretty much showing when he was, I guess, adopted. Um, and I thought that was really neat because his picture was all burnt up, but this picture was like was brand new in the the frame kind of like symbolizing okay well this is someone from bond's past yeah which they've hit on a couple of times and i liked how that symbolism was there for them Mm -hmm. absolutely um before even before they're brought to this but bond is ordered to give up his give up his book gun and he does oh yep yep forgot about that when he first shows up yep and they're taken to the rooms uh and then they they change they have a brief wardrobe change and Bond and Madeline are taking to a meteorite exhibit. The meteorite that created the crater that the facility was built within. I thought that was kind of neat. Which is pretty cool. Where they are met by Oberhauser. 
who gives them, who has a wonderful little monologue about the meteor and this, that, and the other thing, and then gives them a tour of the information facility and reveals the level of involvement he has had throughout Bond's entire life. Mm -hmm. Why that every woman he's ever loved, it's no coincidence that every woman you've ever loved has died. You know, it's been all orchestrated from behind the scenes by Oberhauser. A very, very tense scene um, where we also see him play the video of her father's, of, of Mr. White's suicide to uh, Madeline and Bond's upset about this and you know just try to encourage Madeline to, to you know just look at me just look at me look away um, and she does right at the very end which I thought was kind yeah. of a, a sweet trusting moment I do. and um, before that scene he also played um, a live feed of M given his farewell speech of the double O program too yes. you know kind of showing Bond like hey all that information everything's going on I've got access to it Things you know, are I'm over, watching you know? live fees inside your own uh, building, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that scene with the whole uh, video of her father and Bond and all that that was actually really really well done. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Bond is then knocked out and comes to strapped down in an all white room with none other than a white cat. I know. I know. I, I made reference to that. I was like, Mr. Bigglesworth is back. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Oberhauser is, is sitting off to the side next to a computer with, with Madeline next to him. And he's talking about, you know, making people do what he wants, that kind of thing, and experimenting with their minds and whatnot. And if I go he- mm-hmm. go in here or here, he'll, f- he'll forget you even exist or this, that, you know, what, all these different things. Um, so Oberhauser is experimenting with Bond's head by screwing in, drilling in at different locations and making Madeline watch. This is where it's also revealed that Bond, after his biological parents were um, died, Bond was raised by Oberhauser's very own father. So yep. Oberhauser is kind of a stepbrother. Yeah, like an adopted brother. An adopted brother to, to Bond. And Oberhauser reveals that that ski trip that his father died on was no accident. Mm-hmm. Oberhauser killed his own father because he became began began to favor Bond over his own son. And I love the reference he makes about um the cuckoo. Yeah, the cuckoo birds. You know, laying laying eggs mm-hmm. in in other birds' nests and and yep. you know, which the, um. I liked how it goes into that story because I don't know if you called it, but the, in the very beginning when they're at the in Rome at the meeting, when he looks up at Bond, they tells him what takes him so long. He references to him. He says "cuckoo" right before Bond runs out the mm-hmm. the, the meeting. And I, like I called it. I'm like, why do you call him "cuckoo"? Yep. I'm like, I'm putting that down just in case there's a reference to that. Yep. So it, like, <laughs> it makes sense that why he was calling him "cuckoo." Yep. Uh, Bond then during all of this time while being tortured, Bond hands bound behind his back tries attempts to undo his watch from behind him uh and we have a a back and another great mount great monologue here where oberhauser reveals that oberhauser did in fact die with his father um and reborn was anastavro bluefield his mm-hmm. mother's from his mother's maiden name so this is where it's officially revealed that he is bluefield, bluefield. <clears throat> Madeline then runs to Bond after being tortured and Bond's like listen I remember you 
his drill technique didn't work on me for some reason. Not sure yeah. why. <laughs> but it's not yet anyway. For some reason, I still know who you are. Uh, um, and gives her the watch to throw uh, to throw at Blofeld. I think this was supposed to be like the whole memory thing because Bond says something about like how could I forget you or something like that. Yeah, because um, Blofeld goes, you know, if if I do he, just dress right or whatever. He's gonna uh, die. Even not those pretty blue eyes will forget about you, and he'll, yeah. you know, he'll die yeah. not knowing who you are. And that's why Bond's like, you know, I can't forget you. I know who you are. Yeah. And then he's like, the watch, um, and you know, he says something, and and um, Blofeld's like, what'd you say? And he's like, oh, time flies or something. I can't yeah. remember exactly what he said. He makes some reference, quick reference, and she just kind of like chucks the watch, like with like ten seconds left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, there's and- a minute timer, and she's just holding <laughs> it in her hands, and she looks down. There's like ten seconds left. I'm like, why are you still holding just it? Throw the watch, <laughs> um, and it explodes, blowing Bl- Blofeld back, creating the the necessary distraction for Bond and Madeline to literally rampage their way out of the facility. Yes. Just Bond finds a gun and just shoots every single person. Everyone, uh, the scene where it's like over the shoulder where he's outside the facility and he's just taking yes. people out from like 300 yards away. Yeah, yeah I, I love that scene because I think he knocks out the first guard just like, like running into him, kind of mm-hmm. like in Skyfall and the um, like the lake scene and all. But like he gets one of the guns and it's like one of those like, I guess it's like a submachine gun or something, but it's like just he's holding his hands and he's just randomly shooting guards out and he's like over the you know reaching around the corner taking out another one and then as they're going to the helicopter and the guards are farther and farther away he's still like he's taking them out but as he gets farther and farther away he flips to the shoulder brace and he's still like oh yeah, I can still do this yeah like I, it doesn't matter that there was drills in my head like not even two minutes ago he's like I got this and just <laughs> picks just, all of them off he's just bip bipping yeah. um. But they they rampage their way out of the facility as the facility explodes. They oh, take because a, they hit the um, one of the valves and creates a mm-hmm. little firewall as yep. they run into the helicopter, which then catches up to the rest of the building. So they hop in the helicopter and they 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 fly away as we see two jeeps leaving the facility as well. So obviously somebody survived. I missed that part. You didn't see the two jeeps leave as well. Uh, no, I mean the place blew up. They got in the helicopter and they flew off, and that's all I really paid attention yeah. to. I probably looked down to type in my notes real quick. I'm like, oh, well, it's getting ready to go to the next scene, so I'll just use this time to type some notes real quick. And use this time to catch up. up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes more sense now. I mean, I knew, you know, not everyone died in the building, but I didn't pay attention to the Jeeps driving away. Back in jolly old England, M and Q arrive to a safe house, and I love how they're, they're going up the stairs to the safe house, and yeah. I think it's Tan- Tanner, right, who's like, you know, how For do you Q. know th- or Q is like, how do you know this house is safe? And he's like, we're about to find out. Opens the door, and there's Bond standing in the middle yeah. of the room, and he goes, it's safe. <laughs> yeah, I like because even when they first walked in, Q's like, oh, I've never even heard of this place. And, and M's like, that's the point of a safe house. It would be a safe house if you had heard of it. <laughs> uh, uh, but Bond and Madeline are there waiting, and they, they all share information and update M on the events and what's happening and Blah 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 blah. Yeah, and as they're leaving with yep. um, Blowfield, mm-hmm. C must be in, in on it as well. Uh, as they make their little game plan together of what's going to happen, you know, go team double O. Um, yeah. They have a nice little <laughs> cheer. They do all hands in. They go break. You know, <laughs> cupcakes and coffee in the lobby on your way out. Madeline <laughs> has a conversation with Bond where she's like, "Listen, I've followed you as long as I can. This is a life." I never 
wanted to be involved yeah. in. So she can't go back. I can't go back. So she refuses to to follow Bond any farther yeah. into this. And she even him, says, "She's like, I can't, I can't have you change, or I can't make you change, and I can't go back to this life." Yeah. And Bond's like, "So you're saying goodbye?" Yep. Um, so she wishes him luck and 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 leaves. Uh, then we have a little little car thing where where Bond and Emma are in a car, Q and Money Penny are in another car, and they're following each the other. Turn, and they're, yeah. they're tracking, and Q's hacking into the the thing to prevent the 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 system from going live in like thirty minutes. Like in thirty minutes, C Inspector would have control of all of these international uh, intelligence organizations' information. Yep. And so Q's hacking into it, trying to figure this thing, figure things out. The going, 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 and then we cut to a brief moment where we see um, Madeline walking alone down the middle of a street, and she turns like she hears something behind her, but there's nothing Looking there. Looking over her shoulders, yeah. Yep. And then we cut right back. To the, I love that's only there for just a moment, just enough to show you. Right, Something's up. Something's mm-hmm. not. Shit's going down with Madeline here. Uh, during the little car sequence, Bond and M's car is crashed into... Uh, and Bond is taken out and thrown into the back of a, a, another vehicle, but M manages to escape during all of this chaos. And I love because now M is the shadow. Mm-hmm. Like if you notice, like the double O's are all the shadows and all that. Like they grab Bond and they go back, and M's just gone. He just yeah. vanished. Like he was knocked out unconscious behind the steering wheel when they grabbed Bond a second ago, but now he's just not there. Mm-hmm. And like you know, it it, it shows how. M was meant for that job. Like oh, he, yeah. he knows how the game's played. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He gets it. He gets it. Uh, the rest of the team pull up, see what's going on. The enemy bad guys start firing at them. They turn around 180, flee, mm-hmm. go around the other side apparently and pick up M on the middle of the some on in the middle of some random road. After yeah, he goes like through M some calls him and it's like, hey, pick me up here. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Bond is taken to the old MI6 building, the previously exploded one. Uh, and is taken out of the back of the car, and he's 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 got a hood, you know, a a, a black hood, shroud over his head. Um, and then this is this is a great part where he's taken out, and he just plants himself like a pick in basketball, where he's just standing mm-hmm. there. And the guards are like, "Yo, listen, move! We're taking you inside." And one of the guard, he's just not moving. And one of the guard puts puts a gun on Bond's head, and Bond, without being able to see, takes the gun, shoots shoots the guy on his left, whips it around, shoots the guy on his right. We're like, all right. And then he does the awesome thing that you can really do, by the way, where you break zip ties with your hands. Yeah, with your hands. <clears throat> and then takes I've done the that mask before. off his head. I've done that before. You feel like a badass. Like do you? anyone can do it, but you feel like a badass when you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're probably like, "Ow, my hands hurt." <laughs> Ow. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but yeah. It was a really cool scene. But I breaks I like his how... binders and then takes the hood off as he walks yeah. into the uh, into the facility. And I like how. Um, you mentioned the fact that they were in front of the old building, but this is when it's revealed they're in front of the old building. Like it, they pull yes. up and the guards like get in the building and bond just takes them all off, breaks the ties, pulls the mask off and looks up and it's the old MI five building or mm-hmm. MI six building. And it's like, MI five, MI six. I don't remember which, I, I don't remember I, which it is. And I'm pretty sure it's MI six because the MI five merger was what they talked about in the beginning of this movie. Maybe. Yeah. So Either I don't way. know. Either way. Um, old building. Exactly. So, so, so Bond goes inside the derelict old MI6 building, and then we cut back to C on the phone, ordering his ordering his men to listen. You've got to find M. He's crucial to all of this. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do. 
hangs up the phone and sits down in his office to access his computer in the network, but can't. His access is denied. And then we cut to M sitting in a chair opposite the room waiting for him. Definitely they, pulled a bond from Casino Royale. Yep, yep. And with, with Q in like one of the back offices that kind of is like, hi, I'm here too. I'm yeah, the one like, that yeah. hacked into all your shit, you know? Yeah, I, well, he's like, um, I actually, it's like I have, I forget what he says. He's like, pretty much I have a quartermaster that knows a little thing or two about this. And you just see Q in the background, like at a table, like in the next room, like typing away on the computer. Like, Please leave me far enough away where I don't get shot. Um. <laughs> But meanwhile, Bond is working his way through the old facility, which is just like a Joker's funhouse of things mm-hmm. from Bond's past. Uh, trip down memory lane, where it shows the enemies from his past. Shows Mister White. Shows Vesper. Shows shows Silva. Shows Lashif. I mean, all of these different little funhouse traps that that Blowfield has set up. Um, which is uh, it's kind of funny because I had mentioned how Silva reminded me of Joker. In the last movie. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of this trip down memory lane, Bond finds Blowfield behind a giant pane of bulletproof glass. Blowfield is all scarred up. And I love the reveal of him being scarred up. Yeah. Because that's how traditional Blowfield looks. Mm-hmm. Is that scar on his right, the right side of his face. Yeah, I liked how it was the... Being that the Daniel Craig block was a reboot, I like how it was like the birth of Blowfield yeah. in the same way. Um, I also liked a little back and forth between M and Seed while this is all going on because they do mm-hmm. a couple cut backs and forth before getting to that Blowfield scene where they're uh, talking about what their letters stand for yep. and how Max or Max uh, C was like, oh, well, you know, the double O program is doing the whole thing. And he's like, where I'm on the right side. You're not. M yeah. stands for moron. And he goes to pull his gun out from underneath the table and he like clicks and there's nothing there. And M just does the classic. I've got the bullets in my hand move. And he's like, well, I guess now we know what C stands for. Yeah. Careless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is like a one for one of the the opening scene from Casino Royale because a s- similar mm-hmm. thing happened where the yep. bad guy pulled out his gun and sh- attempted to shoot Bond yep. and it was empty. And that's yeah. what I liked about it because it kind of shows that Mallory knows Bond <clears throat> and Mallory is uh, essentially uh, very similar to Bond when it comes mm-hmm. to all of this. I mean, yes, he might be M and the head of the Double O program, but he's not just a pencil pusher like they mentioned in the other movies. Yeah, he's. <laughs> Mallory is Bond 10 years from now. Like, like yeah, Bond yeah. will be Mallory in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be an interesting Bond. Have Bond as M. <laughs> right? <laughs> go, go by B. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's James anyway, M. Bond. <laughs> back, uh, back back, at the, the derelict MI6 building, Blowfield and Bond have continue to have that conversation back and forth. And Blowfield reveals that he has... Madeline and gives Bond three minutes before the building explodes and I love this he's like obviously I'm going to get away I can get out right here you Mm -hmm. can't get through this glass I can leave whenever I want and I was like he's like you have three minutes so you can either escape yourself and live with having let her die or you can attempt to rescue her and and both die it's up to you choice is yours um so Blowfield leaves, heads to his helicopter, and and escapes. So three minutes before the building explodes, Bond's running around, up and down, trying to find his way. 
we cut back to C and M where they have the briefest of brief final fights. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> where they struggle over a gun for a few minutes and then C gets knocked off and falls to his death in the middle of his own monument to himself. Um, then we cut back to, and again, like you mentioned, this building is literally across from across the river from the shit that's happening <laughs> at, yes. on Bond's side of town. So we see the heli- Blowfield's helicopter in the background of this shot where C and M are fighting. fighting. Which they even mentioned because when um, M and Q get to like get to the bottom of the the crazy stairwells. Uh, at this point, Money Penny and Tanner are just showing up to the party, and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, C's dead." And they're like, "Oh, any word from Bond?" They're like, "No, but we have a guess." And just looks over Money Penny's shoulder, and that's where you see Blowfield's helicopter flying around the old flying building the and like <laughs> lights and stuff going off inside of the building. We're like, well, we kind of guess he's over there across the street, but we're not sure. Or across the waterway, <laughs> it could be. And I love how Blowfield escapes via helicopter, but doesn't leave. Like he sticks yeah. around and he's he's watching. Mm-hmm. For Bond to die is what he's is what he's doing, um, which is which I which I thought was kind of cool. Bond, as he's going through the building, he finds Madeline with forty five seconds left. And of all places, I think was in M's old office. Yes, because he makes it all the way to the top. Yes, and it's kind of like the old office building, right where Blowfield's kind of hovering and mm-hmm. and watching him. And he almost gives up before he hears Madeline make some noise behind one of the doors. Yep. So he he, he cuts free Madeline, asks, do you trust me? And she says, yes, or do I do I have a choice or something like that? Yeah, it's like, do I have a choice? And, yeah. like, <laughs> and Bond jumps down through the middle of the building and lands on a net that they set up earlier where when Bond was initially going through the building, he looked up and saw this net over mm-hmm. basically the elevator shaft um, and lands on this circus net safely the building explodes and we never i don't think we actually see them escape they obviously survive because the next time we see bond and madeline they are in a boat driving out of the wreckage yeah well so you don't really see them escape escape but after the net you see them run down a hall that had like an arrow on kind of like a way it's almost like blowfield set everything up but also gave him the ability to leave by giving them like like a fun house, the directions on how to get out. You know, the arrows go this way, go that way. So when they yeah. get off the net, they run through a, a little hall and make a turn, and then you see the arrow on the wall where it pointed them to the way out. And then as the building's right. exploding, right. is you see them on the boat coming out of one of the tunnels, yeah. which when he was going in, he goes past the area where all the boats and all are, and he was following the arrows. So it's like he right. knew... Uh, enough to run directly to the boats, get on and take the boats through one of the tunnels as the building's collapsing and they come out as through all the smoke and all mm-hmm. as it all crumbles down. Which is, again, at this point, the across the water, you have the rest of them, Mallory and all, just kind of sitting there watching as the helicopter flies away. The building explodes and crumbles. And then out comes Bond and Swan on a boat just <laughs> following the helicopter. They're like, well, that- I guess he's okay. And the chase continues, but not for very long. No. Um, Madeline's Madeline's driving the boat, and Bond's taking pot shots with his, with his pistol. You know, doing yeah. almost almost nothing. <laughs> I like how he uses, a, I think, the regular pistol he took from one of the guards or something. Yeah. Um, and then switches to his smaller, less round pistol, and ends up getting the helicopter with that. Yeah. And I love how it's like the second to the final shot. 
where it shots and and it, it shoots and like makes makes an actual sound like it hits something significant and the helicopter shakes for a moment and inside blowfield's like Let's just put on the seatbelt. Because <laughs> he starts noticing he's hearing the little cling, cling just from the random in shots. Case. <laughs> yeah, because like Bond's like good marksmanship. I mean, he's he's hitting the helicopter left and right, but it's not doing anything until like the second to last shot where it like nicks inside it's, where uh, the engine is. Yep. I mean, yep. most of them are just bouncing off. And on that final shot, Bond manages to take out one of the helicopter's engines, causing it to careen out of control as it crashes onto a nearby bridge. Blowfield, meanwhile, and I love this. I love another. This is one of the scenes that I love as well, where there's nothing around Blowfield. He drags himself from the wreckage and is crawling away as we cut to everybody, you know, M, Q, Bond, everyone converging on this location from their different 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 viewpoints. Um, with Bond being the first to arrive, and he's standing over, standing over Blowfield, gun to his head, and Blowfield, you know, tells him, "Go ahead, finish it," mm-hmm. you know. And they stand there and they sit there for a minute, and Bond, M, 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 M comes shows in at this point. Because, M shows yeah. up and is watching Bond have the gun to Blowfield's head, and, and so does uh, Swan. Swan finally makes yep. up to the bridge, following Bond, but they came from different directions of the bridge. So yeah. you have Bond. And Blowfield, at, you know, in the middle of the bridge, a little bit away from the helicopter crash. Then you have Mallory and the police force on one side. And then the side the Bond came up from, which now has police, mm-hmm. is Swan. And so it's like almost like Bond's in the middle with two choices, well, three choices to make. Yeah. Yep. And he decides <clears throat> not to kill Blowfield. Yes. And begins to walk away towards... And- Madeline throws his gun away and his answer to why he didn't kill Blowfield was I have better things to do. Yeah. Well, and I like that towards Madeline because he um, when he has the gun to him, you know, Blowfield's on him to finish it and he like empties the gun like he drops the magazine. You know, he pulls the bullets out and he's like he empties the gun. He's like, I'm out of bullets. (laughs) Plus, And he kind of looks both ways to Mallory and then to Swan. He's like. Plus, I have better things to do, and starts walking to Mallory and like throws the gun. I'm like, nice. Yeah, that's that's a good yep. line to finish it up. Um, it is. And then and then Mallory walks up to uh, uh, Blowfield and pretty much is like, oh well, according to this, this, and this, I'm arresting you. Yep, yep. Bond walks up to uh, Madeline Swan, embraces her in a hug. They hold hands as they walk away, and Blowfield is taken to taken into custody by M. Mm-hmm. Fade to black. And we cut to very quiet, in, London. quiet London streets, <clears throat> where we cut to a couple different shots, and we cut to Q Branch, where an Q's elevator at his table. Q's at his table working away. The elevator opens up, and Bond steps out. I loved, it. I loved it because did you notice when the elevator first clicks on, and, and Q's looking up like curious at the elevator, the Bond theme song started mm-hmm. playing just dun, yep, <laughs> dun, and it was like, wait, what? It's not over yet. Bond steps out and Q's like, I thought you left. And he was like, I did, but I have one last request. Or yeah, I have one last thing to pick up. Yeah, I have one last thing to pick up. Um, and then Bond, we, we, we cut to Bond and Madeline in the classic, classic Aston DB5 as they drive away and we cut to credit. Uh, and that's when I think the the song kind of kicks on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
roll the credits, and at the end of this credits, and I waited for it. I put it down in my notes, but I waited for it. James Bond will return. Mm-hmm. Next movie, No Time to Die. Indeed. Granted, they don't say that, but it's okay. Yeah. They don't have to. Bond will return in No Time to Die, yes. along with Friday Films Bond in Review in yes. approximately six months. <laughs> yes, part two, not really. Um, so that's it. I mean, that's Spectre, uh, which I liked. I thought it was a really good movie. Uh, like I said before, definitely a better movie when you watch them in session. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot a lot of it makes more sense. Um, it tends to flow a little bit better. Uh, it had its pros. I mean, like I said, it's, it's not the greatest, greatest of all of the movies. But it was still, I thought, pretty solid. I think um, they did a, a decent job uh, as far as a contender in the Daniel Craig block. Um, obviously, way better than Quantum, but can't compete with casino Royale. it was a good it was a good it was a good wrap-up to um yes if this was the like i said at the, at the beginning if this was daniel craig's last movie it it left a good it gave him a good out basically where they could start in in a totally new direction um yep. going forward so i am super super curious with no time to die like no time to die because it is confirmed to be daniel craig's last bond um no Time to Die is going to have to have a pretty substantial wrap-up. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, trailers and everything, like, Blowfield's back. You know, yep. they're, they're bringing in uh, elements from this movie again to, uh, well, to kind of help, help with that, I do believe. I, I mean, we'll get into this next week when we do our little wrap-up um, review, which I know you'll hit on here in a few minutes. But, um, excuse me, I, I think that... The next movie is going to be a part two of this, kind of like Quantum was to mm-hmm. Casino to Royale. Casino. I would agree with that. I think that's. A I just. Safe I bet. hope it's done in a in a better way. Yeah. Like they've done this compared to the last movie, and you know Skyfall compared to Casino Royale. Like I'm hoping it's done like the last mm-hmm. two movies have been, and not like Quantum. Um, but that being said, we'll get into that our, our predictions on that movie in our next week's um, little mini review, mm-hmm. but. Uh, with that, because I know we both like this movie, but do you want to get into uh, trivia? It's trivia, trivia, trivia time. Da-da-da. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And I know that was much, much more cheerful of a jingle than my very depressing Friday <laughs> Films intro. But it's trivia time. You got to be happy during trivia time. So, trivia fact number one for Daniel Craig's second-to-last run as James Bond 007 is trivia fact number one. This is the first Daniel Craig James Bond movie where the main villain is apprehended rather than being just killed. (laughs) Very true. He's actually arrested rather than being killed. Um, Excuse me. Trivia fact number two, this is the first James Bond movie since Die Another Day, as I mentioned at the beginning, to feature the iconic gun barrel sequence at the start of the movie. Um, Number three, this is the first acting role of Daniel Craig in three years, apart from the cameo he had in Star Wars Episode Seven as a uh, stormtrooper voice. And I think he was actually in the costume as well. Uh, this is the first time he's acted since Skyfall. So three years, he had not oh, wow. done a single movie. He he just did Skyfall and then this. 
Um, <clears throat> this movie shares several of the same shooting locations as The Living Daylights in 1987, including Tangier, Morocco, London, in London and Austri Austria. All of these locations were present as well. I think some of them were like the same actual locations because some of the scenes looked very, very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Craig's favorite James Bond movie, I think I mentioned this in Casino Royale, is From Russia With Love. Um, it's also Sean Connery's favorite movie. This movie contained a brutal action scene of a train fight where Bond fought against a powerful adversary. This movie duplicates that as well with the Bond fight against Mr. Hinks, a.k.a. Batista. Batista. Mm -hmm. So, great, 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 great scene. Uh, approximately 1,500 people were hired as extras for the pre-opening title sequence in Mexico City for the Day of the Dead Festival. CGI effects were added after the fact that would increase that, uh, that estimated crowd to total around 10,000 people. Um, oh, wow. They, they duplicated to be at that festival. Excuse me. When James Bond shoots at Blowfield in the derelict MI6 headquarters, his bullet strikes the, the, the bulletproof glass, and the bullet mark, I did not catch this, takes the shape of the Spectre octopus. I didn't catch it either. I mean, I know that they were all pretty close together, yeah. but I didn't catch that. The, uh, the broken glass octopus <clears throat> image was used in, in many, many uh, forms of public, like trailers and movie posters and whatnot. Uh, but I didn't catch that when it was actually happening. I, I, I completely missed that entirely. entirely. Um, although acting as a lone wolf rogue agent throughout the entirety of this movie, Bond's never sent on a mission. James Bond gets more help in this movie from MI6 than he has in any other movie before. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. M, Q, Tanner, and Moneypenny go way out of their way to help him that more than they have on anything that he was actually assigned on in the past. Uh, um, Dame Judy Dench's cameo appearance in the video, in the videotape of this movie is her eighth has her appearing in eight James Bond movies, which makes her the fourth most frequent actor to appear in the franchise behind Bernard Lee, who played M in 11 moon movies Louise Maxwell, who played Moneypenny in 14 movies, and of course Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q in 17 movies. <sighs> Daniel Craig confessed publicly uh, that this particular 007 movie was the most enjoyable of all of the ones that he had done so far. So he enjoyed, he enjoyed working on this movie more than he enjoyed working on any of the other ones. Hmm. And of course, as mentioned before, Mr. Hinks, Dave Batista, has yet has only has but one line in the movie. Shit. That's right. Shit. Uh, again, I, I mentioned this in some of these. I actually mentioned in the uh, actual review. I, I forgot about that. But James Bond. This is the first James Bond movie where Daniel Craig is not seen shirtless during the movie, except during the opening credits. Opening scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the pre-title sequences for both Skyfall and Casino Royale, James Bond tells his fellow surveillance, for surveillance colleagues to stop touching your ear. In the pre-title sequence for this movie, Bond does not heed his own advice as he is seen touching his earpiece while listening in on the secret meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 
didn't even think about that because I know I watched him when he put it in his ear, then he's, yeah, listening <laughs> and all that. Uh, the cost of the Aston Martin vehicles that were crashed and blown up throughout the making of this movie equates to approximately 37 or 36.7 million US dollars. That was just destroyed. <laughs> uh, the ending scene in which James Bond drives away into the sunset with Miss Madeline or Dr. Madeline and Swan was written specifically in case Craig decided not to do another movie. So they gave him an out for that one. Yeah. Which I think fit really well. Mm -hmm. The uh, opening title sequence for this movie was set up as an homage to 1973's Live and Let Die. As this was the, as that was the first James Bond movie that both Daniel Craig and director Sam Mendes had ever seen. Um, which you can see, the style is very, very similar to the opening sequence of Live and Let Die. I, I can definitely see the relation for that. So Christoph Waltz, who has won two Oscars for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, both, ironically enough, Quentin Tarantino films, is officially the third Oscar-winning actor to play a Bond villain. This is the second highest-grossing Daniel Craig James Bond movie after Skyfall, which I didn't mention in the review. Skyfall grossed $1.108 billion worldwide. <laughs> wow. This movie um, earned $880 million during its theatrical release, uh, Casino Royale earned $599 million, and Quantum of Solace earned $586 million. And that is the final trivia time for James Bond in review. For now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep saying that because it's not over until it's over. Uh, although, now that I'm thinking about it, we should just keep adding Bond movies, like as the Bonds come out over the years. We'll just come just back. Just keep like, hey, coming Friday back. Films, just, yeah, just Welcome back to Bond episode. in Review three years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, with that, uh, let's get into our rankings um, because we're coming up on the end. I know we're not going to get into our personal rankings until uh, next week as well, but um, we have to put this in our final Friday Films ranking. We do. Again, until the. Uh, no time to die comes out in november so with that what do we got eric the list is as follows number one casino royale number two goldeneye number three from russia with love number four you only live twice number five the spy who loved me number six thunderball number seven skyfall number eight license to kill number nine for your eyes only Number 10, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number 11, Goldfinger. Number 12, The Living Daylights. Number 13, Dr. No. Number 14, Tomorrow Never Dies. Number 15, A View to a Kill. Number 16, Quantum of Solace. Number 17, Die Another Day. Number 18, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number 19, The World is Not Enough. Number 20, Octopussy. Number 21, Moonraker. Number 22, Live and Let Die. 23, Diamonds Are Forever. All right, so number twenty-four. Where are we putting this one at? I, I know th it's not a top five. Um, I I kind of told you in the beginning that I felt it, in, if not in the top ten, right outside of it, somewhere kind of in like the middle. 
Because um, it was a decent movie, but it's hard to compete with some of the other ones. And I'm right there with you, man. Like, it was really good. It was a good It was a good end cap for the Daniel Craig block. Mm-hmm. Um, but a and, much like much like uh, Quantum of Solace, it's it it it's doesn't hold up on its own very much because of how much it references, how yeah. much it ties up from past Daniel Craig movies. I, I will um, give you that. Like the whole Daniel Craig block is all tied together. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little bit more so than a lot of the other Bond movies. And again, that's what kind of bumped it up in a personal ranking for me is that the movie made so much more sense after watching the other three versus just watching Spectre by itself mm-hmm. um, before we even got into this review. Yeah. So I, I agree, it's uh, being a good movie, it's hard to put it at the top of the list just because of that. I mean, it did have a decent story, it had a decent villain, obviously Craig's still a decent Bond, like most of them are. Um, well, really all of them. <laughs> um, so it was kind of hard to put it towards the bottom of the list, so I, I thought a, a good middle was a, a decent place for it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so I think like Jordan and I talked before, before recording a little bit and we settled like our top 10 ends at on her Majesty's secret service. I absolutely don't think it's better than on her Majesty's secret service. Um, which surprises me because I did not go into on her Majesty's secret service thinking I would like it as much as I did either. Um, it's true. That movie, that movie was arguably my biggest surprise was, was that movie. Um, Number 11 is Goldfinger, which we already have said many times over the last couple of weeks. We criminally underranked that movie. Yeah, it definitely should have been a little uh, higher on the list, but yeah. we're not changing it. But we're not changing it. The list is what the list is. Uh, we're, so we criminally underranked Goldfinger, so it's not better than Goldfinger. Um, then we have The Living Daylights and Dr. No. I thought it was better than Dr. No. So the ultimate, and I, I agree. So the mm-hmm. ultimate question is: Is it better than the Living Daylights? Um, I think it's kind of like a. It could go either way. Um, I know the Living Daylights was was a decent movie. Was pretty good. I might put this a little higher. I think you said originally you might put a little lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like right there, splitting hairs. So I mean, I'm I'm okay with it being right under because I did like the Living Daylights. Um. And again, the reason why I like this movie more would be just because of the tie-ins and everything else. Like I thought it was a decent movie, but standalone, it might not be as strong. I think the living uh, type. I think that's what makes it for me. The Living Day- Daylights was more of a cohesive, clear story, whereas this yeah. this movie introduced a new villain, while while be albeit a good villain, introduced a new villain for the alleged at the time the final part of of a, a a bond block and the relationship then between the villain and bond required so much history for you to know yeah um for everything to make sense so i would i would put um specter just under the living daylights as the new number 13 yeah i'm okay with that okay so that's it the 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 f- final as of now bond in review right. specter Featuring Daniel Craig, it replaces Doctor No as the new number thirteen on the list. All right, so that brings us to the villain list. Um, currently, number one: Silva from Skyfall. Two: Goldfinger and Ajab. 
Uh, three is Alex Chavani. Of Chavani's family <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> uh, from Goldeneye. Uh, four is number two from Thunderball. Five is Sanchez and Dario from License to Kill. Uh, six is Stromberg and Jaws from The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, seven, La Chiffre from Casino Royale. Eight, Christasos, Locke, and Eric from uh, For Your Eyes Only. Uh, nine, Zorn and Mayday from A View to a Kill. Ten is the Spectre General and Red from Russia with Love. Uh, 11, Draken Jaws and Moonraker. Uh, 12 is Blowfield from You Only Live Twice. Uh, 13 is Scaramanga and Knickknack from The Go- uh, Man with a Golden Gun. Uh, 14 is Carver and Samper from Tomorrow Never Dies. 15 is Kanaga, Claw, and Baron from Live and Let Die. 16 is Dr. No, self-titled movie. 17 is Blowfield, Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. 18 is Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. 19 is Yergi Whitaker and the Milkman, a.k.a. Necros, from The Living Daylights. Uh, 20 is Gustav Graves and Zhao from Die Another Day. 21 is King and Renard from The World Is Not Enough. 22 is Khan and Gaminda from Octopussy. And 23, Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace. 24. Where do we put our number 24 villain? Which is Bluefield and Mr. Hinks. <laughs> Franz himself. Bluefield right. and Mr. Hinks. So I said before we started this um, recording that to me, this was the best out of the, all the Blowfields. I liked this Blowfield better than the other ones. I would agree. Um, I do agree. Actor and all was really, I mean, good acting, but just the type of Blowfield that was portrayed. I mean, I, I mentioned how he kind of reminded me a lot like Silva as far as the um, villainous character that he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Hinks, the silent anti-Bond that kind of one-ups Red, in my opinion. I know. never thought the day would come. Uh, also, a very strong too. the top five for so long. I really liked him as an anti-Bond. But then, I mean, we've had other movies with other good henchmen and other good anti-Bonds, too. Uh, obviously, uh, Alec Trevelin, good anti-Bond because he was a Bond. <laughs> um, and, you know, Hanks was a good, I mean, he, essentially he was a good henchman. He's an he anti-Bond. He is an anti-Bond. Because He's a he was agent. on Bond's <laughs> tail the whole time. And even got like one-ups on him multiple times too. Uh, so I, I definitely like him as a henchman. Uh, very strong. So the question is, if we're starting with the fact that he's better than Red, Red's at 10. Top 10, Eric. Yay, nay. I yeah, mean, yeah, no, absolutely agree. Okay, better so red, give me better than nine. Zorn and Mayday 9. Better than Zorn and Mayday. Uh, 8 is Christos, Locke, and, and Eric. Better than Christos, Locke, and Eric. Your uh, your favorite, Lashif, is at 7. Lashif. Um, damn, who's number 6? Uh, 6 is Stromberg and Jaws from The Spy You Love Me. 5 was Sanchez and Dario from License to Kill. He's better than Stromberg and Jaws. Yes. I know you really like Lashif, and I yeah. didn't like his Lashif as and much. So I'm I know Lashif was a hard one for both of us. I'm trying to ignore Lashif's position because we compromised on that. We took the middle ground before between where you mm-hmm. and I would both put him. So I'm just ignoring where Lashif is on this list right now. So he's better than Bluefield and Mr. Hinks are better than Stromberg and Jaws. Yes. So that's Sanchez and Dario. Are they better than Sanchez and Dario? 
I mean, I I could see them above them. They're, I mean, Sanchez and Dario were like the the who's, dark. Villains. Who's above Sanchez and Dario? So at fourth place is number two from Thunderball. I can't put them above number two. Dude, they're they're better than Sanchez and Dario. So the number five then. They're, they, they take they, they take five. the top five. So All two right. of two of Daniel Craig's villains have have broken into the top five. Yeah, which I I say is pretty impressive. Yeah. So it goes to show you that in the Daniel Craig block, the villains are the strength of the Daniel Craig block. There's some yeah, um, <laughs> you're not wrong, with the exception as of far Quantum as of movies, Solace with Mr. Green, but <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you, like you said, two of the four take the top five. I mean, movie wise, you have two in the top ten. Two in the top ten, yeah. Um. One being in the top five, mm-hmm. uh, just like Brosman's uh, Goldeneye was in the top five. Mm-hmm. Um, but villain-wise, that's where the strengths are in the, in the um, Daniel Craig movies, which yeah. we agreed, getting into Daniel Craig's, they were a lot more serious, less campy. They put a lot of effort into that, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is what I liked about the Daniel Craig block a lot. And the cohesive, the cohesive story and everything tying together is 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 great. Like... Like we said in Quantum of Solace's review, as much as I butchered that movie and I maintain my opinion uh, of not not caring for it, it is made better by watching Casino Royale. Yes, you know, as a Qu- Quantum of Solace is made better by watching Casino Royale. Um, much like this movie is made better by watching skyfall like it's all of them yeah like yeah. the continuations really um, good all of them yes but specifically skyfall like i like this movie i yeah. would say would be would be the sequel not just a an end cap for the bond it is the sequel to skyfall where yeah. much yeah, like quantum of solace was the sequel to casino royale yeah um so so we'll uh we'll see what no times to die bring brings man but this so far this was a good in cap to um, the Daniel Craig block. I like that they kept Bluefield alive because Christoph Waltz is way too good of an actor. And if you're bringing, out Blue, bringing back Bluefield for the first time in three decades, you don't kill you him off die. in one movie. You got no. he can't die. You gotta you gotta bring him back. So I'm excited. It just has me pumped to see No Time to Die now. Yeah, I'm excited too, and uh, we'll we'll get into that more in next week's uh, little recap. Um, but so that puts our new villains at number five, and that would be our list. Um, so I guess with that, Eric, do you want to take over our outro and let everyone know about our little recap next week before we finish off? Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, thank you yet again for the twenty fourth week of listening to us ramble on about James Bond over the decades. Uh, it feels like we've been doing this for decades. <laughs> it really does. But we are finally at the end as of now, as we await the delay of No Time to Die in November. We will be back for then. But until then, let us know what you thought of Bond in Review. Don't forget, any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Presents. Share your current ranking list with us. Share your your villain list with us. You know, we'll be back and adding to this in, in November, but we want to hear from you in the meantime. So with that said, Jordan and I, thank you again for the time that you spent with us. And to, as an extra bonus thank you, next week uh, we are going to be listening because Bond's not done. 
we're going to be doing a very, very special Bond wrap-up episode where Jordan and I sit down and we discuss, as we've mentioned from the beginning, our personal favorite Bonds, how they stacked up with what we thought we were going to, how our rankings stacked up with how we thought they were going to be um, when we started all of this. We'll break down our personal lists. Mm-hmm. Our personal Bond lists are, are pretty different compared to the one that we made together, yeah. which is which is rather interesting. So Jordan and, I, Jordan and I will sit down with you guys for one more week. And, uh, and predictions. Yes, and predictions for No Time to Die. And we'll, we'll wrap up this wonderful, wonderful trip that has been Bond in review so far and uh, give you a little taste of, of, of what we have in the future for Friday Films. So. Yes. All right, well, with that, we hope everyone enjoyed. Um, obviously, there's no movie to watch this week for <laughs> next week's review, so feel free to recap your favorite Bond yes. uh, in this week and, and let us know. Uh, maybe we'll do the same. And until then, we appreciate everyone um, coming along the journey with us, and we'll catch you all next week. Until then, let the credits roll. <laughs>